Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Take your Bibles in Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. I want to bring you this word this morning that the Lord has dealt with me about. And, and if you are looking for a title, you can title it this, His Cross and My Cravings. His Cross and My Cravings. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I want to read that one more time because I really want you to get what that scripture is saying. This is the Apostle Paul and he says this, Far be it from me that I should boast, or far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Everybody say a new creation. A new creation. Say it one more time. A new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Verse 17, from now on, let no man cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, bless us now as we open the word, as we go into the word. Holy Spirit, speak through these lips of clay. Let your power and let your anointing transform those who are listening today. Open eyes and open ears in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last week I was... just out and about doing different things and the Holy Spirit just began to deal with me about three things and and I want to share that this morning and I'm going to be brief because we've got baptism coming up here in a little bit but this thing about his cross and my cravings the cross is a symbol of death it was on the cross, of course, that Jesus died and suffered and gave his life for us. Without the cross, there would be no shedding of blood. And so it was through the cross. And, and so as God began to deal with me, a couple weeks ago we talked about the blood of Jesus. Some of you might remember. We talked about five things that the blood does for you and I, five things that the blood means to us as believers we talked about how the blood of jesus protects and how it uh, uh redeems us and and the bible says that in hebrews 9 and verse 22 it says this that without the shedding of blood 
there is no remission of sin. So without the blood of Jesus, you cannot be forgiven of your sin. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross was for our sin. It was to deal with the sin problem in mind and your life. I want you to understand that. The blood that was shed on the cross was to deal with mine and your sin problem. It was the blood of Jesus. And the other thing that we're going to talk about a little bit later is the empowerment of Holy Spirit and the, and the work of Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in, in John chapter 16 and verse, begin with verse 8, that when he has come, and, I, and I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm going to bring it all back. That when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, that he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, and of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And then Jesus said, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I want you to notice something. The blood of Jesus is what redeems you from your sin. The blood of Jesus protects, and there are many things that the blood of Jesus does. But then we talk about the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit has been given to us, and His responsibility is that He empowers us. He teaches us. He leads us. He convicts us of our sins. He reveals the risen Christ to us. The blood redeems me. The Holy Spirit empowers me. The blood redeems me Holy Spirit empowers me if it's not the blood has not been applied to your life then Holy Spirit cannot do his work which is to lead you guide you and show you all things what Christ has said I want you to understand this because this is, this is where the Lord's dealt with me about I want to say it one more time. The blood of Jesus, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You can try all the ways of man. You can try to go all the avenues and all the directions and all of that. But if you want to be forgiven of your sin, you've got to come through the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. And I know that, that we don't hear a lot of preaching on the blood now, but I'm preaching on it right now. You don't get forgiveness without the shedding of blood. You cannot be forgiven. You cannot be redeemed without the blood being applied to your life. When you uh, leave this earth and, and ascend or go to wherever your eternal destiny is going to be, your eternal destiny is going to be sealed not by your last name or not by the church that you were affiliated with or not by uh, somebody that you knew, but your destiny is going to be sealed by this, that when you stand before God, He sees the blood on your life. 
If it wasn't for the blood, God wouldn't even look at me. If it wasn't for the blood, God would look over you. And he, if he don't see the blood, he doesn't look at you. But let me say this. That once the blood has been applied to your life, it is important and imperative that you build a relationship with Holy Spirit. Because without Holy Spirit working in your life, you have no conviction. You have no direction in your life. You have no empowerment in your life. Holy Spirit was given to the church on the day of Pentecost to anoint her and to empower her and to enable her to walk out in the middle of a dark, sin-filled world and stand and shine as lights in darkness. But we don't have a problem with the blood and we don't have a problem with Holy Spirit. But between the blood and Holy Spirit stands the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm fixing to unload some stuff on you this morning. But listen, I want you to say, I want you to know what I'm about to, to tell you is going to set you free. Because I believe that there are people that are in this room this morning and you've been battling with things in your life. You've been struggling with your past. You've been struggling with addictions. You've been struggling by the things that you've done in your past and you can't seem to get through it. Seems that your battle and your struggle just never stops. Listen, in the middle of the blood being shed and in the middle of Holy Spirit being poured out there's a cross there's a cross there's an old song that we used to sing and it said on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for our lost uh, sinners was slain to the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Can I tell you something this morning? That when you carry the cross of Jesus Christ, you are going to carry some shame and you're going to carry some reproach. Because the cross to a lost and dying world doesn't make sense. The cross to a people that are perishing does not make sense. But the cross, ladies and gentlemen, to you and I as Christians and born-again believers is the, is the center of everything that God is doing or will do. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. And I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and someday I'll exchange it for a crown. The cross. I want to talk this morning about the cross because I'm amazed at this passage of scripture in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 where the apostle Paul would say these words, far be it from me. The King James Version says, God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross. I find that, that kind of weird that the Apostle Paul would say, I, I don't glory 
in, in my education. I don't glory in all the things that I don't know. I don't glory because I'm a Hebrew. I don't glo uh, glory because I have Roman citizenship. I don't glory in any of that stuff. I don't glory in the fact that I was called to be an apostle. I don't glory in the fact of my position in the kingdom. But Paul said, I glory in the cross. He said, I glory in the cross by which the world has been crucified to me. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? Your biggest battle that you fight on a daily basis is not with a demon around every corner. The biggest battle that you fight on a daily basis is not with some red-suited devil with horns coming out of his head. It's quiet up in here. But, but I'm just going to wait on through it. We're going to get to some good stuff here in a minute. Your biggest battle, my biggest battle that I fight. Listen, Jesus died on the cross and defeated the devil. When he shed his blood on the cross, he defeated the devil. When he died, he went down into the, to the pits of darkness and, and took the keys away from the enemy. The devil has been defeated. What are you saying, Pastor? Then why am I going through all of these battles then? You're going through all of these battles because there's still demonic powers and spirits that are working in the world, but all they can do is suggest to you. It is your flesh. It is my flesh that I struggle with. It is my flesh that I battle with. It is my flesh that I have all the warfare with because my flesh is always wanting what it does not need. My flesh. The Bible tells us, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's read that in verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross, or the preaching of the cross, is folly to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved it is the power of God can I tell you something this morning I want you to grasp that word because here's what Holy Spirit has been dealing with me about God has been dealing with me about coming back to the gospel coming back to what constitutes 
the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of those central themes of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of the cross. And I know because in 2023, we don't like the cross. We like everything else, but we don't want to hear about the cross. But the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, that if you don't understand the power of the cross, you're going to struggle with your flesh. You're going to battle with your flesh. You're always going to be like a yo-yo going up and down because you never deal with the very thing that the cross was meant to deal with. The blood dealt with my sin, and through the blood, I am forgiven. The Holy Ghost has been placed inside of me, empowering me and enabling me to walk in power. But the cross was meant to deal with my flesh and my flesh is the enemy that is against God and, and if I don't deal with my flesh Amen. listen the cross think about this the blood cannot deal with your flesh think about it think about it the blood that Jesus shed was not shed to deal with your flesh. The blood was shed to deal with your inner man. That man in you that was broken by sin. But it has nothing to do with my flesh. Holy Spirit was given to us as the body of believers. But the Holy Spirit cannot deal with your flesh. Think about it. He can empower you. He can anoint you. But the Holy Spirit cannot crucify your flesh. Oh, Pastor, you sure are digging deep this morning. Your flesh is your greatest enemy. Your flesh is the one that will talk you out of the very thing that God wants you to have. Your flesh is the very thing that will talk you into something that will destroy your life. Holy Spirit can be standing there saying, don't touch that, don't mess with that, but your flesh and the pull of your flesh will cause you to override what Holy Spirit is speaking to your life and reach out and grab something that has destructive power in your life, even though you are a blood-washed believer. Listen, and I'm going to be just point blank with you. There are men today that step out on their wives and have an affair with another woman that are blood-bought men and women of God that have power and Holy Spirit working in them. There are women today that do the same thing on their husbands. And all the time the blood of Jesus is applied to their life. And Holy Spirit is saying, you don't need to do that. But what is happening? The flesh is saying, this will do you good. This will satisfy you. This will make you better. This is going to improve your life. I want to I tell you this morning that I believe today that we're living in an hour 
that, that listen, it is time for the body of Christ and the men and women of God. You better know who you are in Christ and you better know how to deal with your flesh. You better know how to stand up in the face of hell and say, this is not of God. I'm going to stand against it no matter how good it looks to my eyes and no matter how good it sounds to my ears and no matter how bad my hand wants to touch it. Holy Spirit is saying no. So flesh You've got to get behind me. Listen. That is the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus, before he went to the cross, before he went to the cross, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow in my footsteps, and I want to paraphrase, if you want to do what I'm doing, if you want to be like me, you've got to deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow me. I know this is not good preaching to you on Sunday morning. But my responsibility as your pastor is to build you up and to strengthen you so that you can stand up and fight the forces of darkness that's coming. I want to remind you, and, and this just dropped in my spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But I want to remind you, several months ago, probably a year ago, I was standing in my living room about 2 o'clock one morning. I, I, I couldn't sleep, so I got up, and I walked in my living room, and, and I just began to pray. And we've got a, uh, a, a coffee table right in the middle of our living room, and there's a big rug under it. And, and I go in there, and it's dark. And so I kind of use that rug as a pattern so I don't have to turn the lights on. And I use that rug kind of as a, as a road or path to follow. I know that as long as I'm standing on the, on the outer edge of that rug that I'm not going to stump my toe on that big table. And so I get on the outer edge of that rug and I begin to walk around that rug and I just begin to pray. I just begin to pray in, in tongues and pray in the Spirit. And I'm doing this and it's early in the morning and, and, and I stop and, and I think that I'm fixing to go back to bed and as I stopped I was standing there and I couldn't see uh, anything but light coming through the window as I'm standing there I had an open vision and I looked and it was like I looked out in the darkness and I saw a cloud of it was like a cloud of dust a storm that was building on the horizon and I thought to myself there's a storm coming. And I stood there for what seemed like just a few minutes, but it was really maybe a second or so, and that cloud got closer, and I recognized that it wasn't a storm cloud, but it was a cloud that was being uh, stirred up by people that were running toward me. And the next moment, it was like I was standing on a wall and I was looking down at a gate and as I was standing there this crowd of people were rushing through that door in the wall and I thought to myself they're running into safety and Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said yes they're running into the safety 
of my walls. He said, the storm is yet to come. And I looked up, and there was another cloud of dust. And God said, that's the storm. This is the place of safety. And God spoke to me, and I shared this with you. I've got it written down at home. I shared this with you, that God spoke to me and said, get people inside the gate. Get them ready because a storm is coming. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, and, and I don't know exactly why I said that, but I'm saying it this. And I don't know any other better, better way to say it, but I, I'm, I'm just going to say this, this, this mamby-pamby, weak-wristed, limp-wristed sermons with three points that God's going to give you a million dollars in the bank He's going to bless you with all you need, and he's going to do all this and do all that. Those times are past. God is saying to the body of Christ right now that it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to be equipped by the power of the Word of God. It's time for you to know who you are and to know whose you are. And God said, because I'm raising up an army of men and women that are going to be able to handle the crowd that's going to run into the, the shelter of the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that. And I believe that with all of my heart. There's a crowd that's coming there's a people that's coming, and listen, they're not going to be your elites from society. They're not going to be the ones that, that've got the biggest two-story mansion on the block, per se. But they're going to be people that are broken by the system of the world. They're going to be people that are addicted to drugs and alcoholism. They're going to be people that are going to walk through the doors of this building and they're already doing it and they're bound up with demonic strongholds. And listen, we've got the message that can set them free. You say, Pastor, how do I get people set free? Take them to the cross. Take them to the cross. Introduce them to the blood. It's the power of the cross, the blood of Jesus. Listen. I'm, I'm going to cut it short. The preaching of the cross and the power of the cross is meant to deal with your Yours and my hang-ups. In Romans chapter 7, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, the things that I want to do, I cannot do them. He said, the things that I, I would do, I don't do them. The things that I don't need to do, he said, that's what I do. And he was talking about a battle with his flesh. But there's the blood of Jesus that no sin is too big nor too great for that blood not to cover. But the Apostle Paul said, the very things that I want to do, I don't do them. The things that I need to do, I can't do. Because it is my flesh that I'm battling against. 
But in Romans chapter 8, Paul said this. He said, there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he said this. He said, for the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for the, the uh, to walk in the in the flesh is enmity against God do you understand what I'm saying uh, can you bring Romans chapter 8 up for me please I want you to understand this, and I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not going to just leave you hanging, but it is the power of your flesh that robs you of so many things that God wants to do in your life. It's just not that God doesn't hear you, and it's not that God doesn't love you, and it's not that God doesn't want to bless you. God wants to bless you. Take it on down to, to about verse 4, if you, if you can, please. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh and their, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Notice that. It's in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For those who set, live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Oh, pastor, why are you talking about my flesh? Because I'm trying to get the dead stuff out of you. Why, oh, pastor, why don't you talk about life? Jesus can't get life into you without getting the death out of you. Jesus can't bring resurrection in you without getting out the death that is in you. Some of y'all this morning, you've been wondering about God. Why are you not listening to me? Why are you not working on my behalf? And God is saying this morning, I'm trying to get the dead out of you so that I can pump some life in you because the dead has got you so filled up that there's no room in your life for my life. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's the reason people who try to think themselves better never get there. That's the reason that when we say, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, you will never get there because I does not have the ability to do anything outside of the help of Almighty God. It's the reason 
that if you're here this morning and you're struggling with an addiction in your life and you've tried all kind of programs and all kind of things to fix it, can I tell you something this morning? In one simple statement, you will not ever be able to fix your addiction because your addiction was birthed in your flesh. But if you come to the cross, the cross will crucify your flesh and God can raise you up and redeem you and restore your life. So, for the mind is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's the reason that I must deal with my flesh. That's the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that sexual perversion is running so rampant in our society. That is the reason that transgenderism is running so rampant in our kids' schools. That is the reason that we as parents are having to battle with our children with all of this stuff because it is all the works of the flesh. We can bind the devil and we can rebuke him all day long, but we must understand that the only way that God can deal with flesh in somebody's life is that they crucify that flesh. The blood can't crucify my flesh. Holy Spirit can't crucify my flesh. I am the only one that can say, flesh, you are dead. And I believe this morning that there are people in this room today and you're listening to me uh, speak today and you're dealing with things and struggles in your life and you're battling with issues in your life that nobody knows about and nobody has any idea about what's going on in your life but you are dealing with it and struggling with it and you keep telling yourself I'm going to get better, I'm going to do better but listen, get the word I out because I can never do you any good the only way that you're going to deal with it, ladies and gentlemen, is to come and bow beneath the cross and allow the cross of Jesus Christ to crucify your life. And I know that might sound hard, but I tell you that out of love today because I'm tired of seeing men and women destroyed by things that could be dealt with by the cross. I'm going to, I want to give you one more thing and I'm going to close. There was a time when what you had was enough. But that season of your life has passed. The season that you are in now dictates the need for greater. The more of, of me that I lose, the more of him I will gain. Can I say that one more time? 
There was a time in your life when what you had satisfied you. There was a time in your life when you could go to church, get up and go home, and that was enough. There was a time in your life that just knowing that you are a nominal Christian was enough to satisfy. There was a time in your life when you had joy and happiness in your family, but something happened. Can I tell you something about family? Your theology is subject to change when your children hit about 13 years old. Some of y'all didn't get that. But what you thought you had figured out when your children hit about 13 years of old age, you will discover, man. There was a time in your life when what you had and what you did and how you worshiped and how you served was enough. But that season has passed, and that is a word that God gave me the other day as I was studying for this message. He said, I want you to tell those that are sitting there this morning, tell them that there was a time when, when what they were doing was enough and they had joy, but something happened, that season has passed, and now you have lost your joy, you've lost your peace, you've lost your place, and you've lost your ability to, to, to be the leader of your family, and God is saying because that season has passed. And he said the season that you're moving into right now dictates that you must have greater. So the other day as I was writing this down, I said, man, when I say that, the crowd's going to leap to their feet and they're going to run to the altar. And they're going to say, wow, pastor, what an awesome word there. That was my flesh, I guess, huh? Listen, God's willingness to give to you always surpasses your ability to receive. In other words, ma'am, in other words, lady, and I don't know who you are this morning, but I want to tell you today that God's saying this to you. God is saying, I have much more that I want to give to you than what you can understand that you are worthy of. God's willingness to give always surpasses our ability to receive Take the limitations off of God. In closing, there's a story in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, and verse, beginning with verse 1. And it says this, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, 
Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the, in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors and empty vessels and, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind you, behind yourself and your sons, and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. You might say, well, Pastor, what has that got to do with the cross? Here's a lady that at one time had it all figured out and everything was going good, but she experienced loss in her life. And because she experienced a loss in her life, that loss led her to experiencing a lack in her life. And that lack in her life led to her being threatened by the creditors. And the threat of the creditors was this, that if you don't pay your debt, we are coming and we will take your children and they will work your debt out until it's completely paid. That was the norm of that hour. So what this woman at one time had need of nothing now because of loss in her life. She is looking at creditors coming to take her children, her sons, and work them as slaves until the debt is paid for. And I'm being kind of prophetic here this morning. I know. This is what Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, there are those today whose sons and daughters will fall into slavery to the addictions and the ways of the world because there was a shortage of vessels that God could put his oil in. God cannot put his oil in a vessel that is already full of itself. You want the oil? You've got to get rid of self. You want the anointing in your life? Then you've got to deal with yourself. It ain't about fighting hell for it. It ain't about fighting the devil for it. You ain't going to be able to rebuke the devil and get the oil in your life. You're not going to be able to bind the demons of hell and get the oil in your life. The only way that you're going to get the oil in your life is that when you deny yourself and say, Father, empty me of who I am and fill me up with who you are. This is such a beautiful picture that Elisha the prophet looked at this woman that was in dire need and desperate need because she was trying to save her family. And he said, go out into the neighborhood and borrow vessels and bring them into your house. And he tagged it with this. 
Don't get just a few, but get a bunch of them. I wish I had time to preach on this. She sent her sons out to do the job that God told her to do. And her sons didn't have the vision because God didn't speak the vision to them. He spoke it to her. And so she brought them all in, and they began to pour the oil into these vessels. And as they began to pour, she'd say, okay, this one's full. Give me another vessel. She poured the oil in there, the oil never running out. She poured the oil in this vessel and said, give me another vessel. Give me another vessel. Give me another vessel. Give me another vessel. She turned around, and there's no more vessels. The Bible says this, that the oil stopped when she ran out of vessels. God is much more willing to abundantly bless you than we are to gather the vessels for him to fill. There is no limit. Oh, my goodness. There is no limitation to what God can do in an individual who will divest himself of himself and say, Lord, here I am. Fill me. Listen to this. The oil is looking for an empty vessel. The product needs the container. God is a spirit who needs a body. God is a spirit who's looking for a body that he can come in, a temple that is clean, that he can come in and work his work. Listen, Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, was rejected because of his flesh. Think about this. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to close. Sister Sandy, you guys come. Those of you that are, that are going to be baptized, you can go on back and, and get ready for baptism. I want to cl close with this. Jesus was rejected because of his flesh. The flesh that I'm talking about is the thing that identified him as a man. The Bible says this, that when Jesus went into his own country, the place where he grew up, the city of Nazareth, that they rejected him. Why? Because they compared him to Joseph. They compared him to his brothers. And they did not recognize that he was Jesus, the Son of God, because they were looking for a different package than what showed up in town that day. But even though the religious people rejected him because of the package that he was wrapped in, 
the people that were broken and hungry recognized him because what was in the package. You didn't get that. You can look at me this morning and you can see all of my flaws. You can see all of my mess ups. You can see all of my blemishes and all of that stuff. You can see the stains on my teeth. You can see the blemishes on my face. You can see the scars on my nose. You can see all those things. You can see how the sun has affected me. You can see all those things. And you can make a judgment and say, look at that ugly individual. Look at that old boy. He's had a rough life. He's had a messed up life. And you can make a judgment call that I am of no value and of no use. But oh, what you don't see. What you don't see. Because what you don't see is that on the inside of me there is a fountain of living water that flows.